At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 349th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Claiming your inner urban farmer is easy. Grow food, share it, and name your farm. Then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast. Pick up your urban farmer bling, hats, and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com. This Urban Farm Podcast is brought to you by the 2018 Food Revolution Summit. I say food choices are our most important factor to staying healthy. The Food Revolution Summit helps us in this discovery process. It's free, online, and features 24 top food and health experts, teaching us how to reduce the risk of the most notable diseases of our time. Visit urbanfarm.org forward slash summit to sign up for this life-changing event. Today on our podcast, we have someone who builds healthy bodies and minds through good nutrition. We're talking with Chef Jennifer Johnson about eco-conscious cooking. Jennifer became a chef 23 years ago after her son told her he hated her cooking in a Mother's Day card. At the time, she managed seven manufacturing facilities around the world in corporate America. Now, she is a full-time eco-conscious organic chef with a passion to help people learn that health is wealth and it is not limited to those who can just afford it. She uses distinct ingredients, organically grown and cleanly made in all aspects of her business, catering, meal plans, food prep, cooking, and food education. Chef Jennifer's style of cooking is a French and Italian fusion influence on American food, using her international training to make quick, nutritious meals. She will tell you good, nutritious food empowers you to have your best day. Welcome to the show today, Chef Jen. Are you ready to rock the kitchen? Absolutely. Yes. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. Absolutely. Now, just first off, he did write eight nice things about me before he said that I sucked at cooking. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I just don't remember what they are. I only focused on the one. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I read that the first time, it's like, ooh, ouch. <laughs> That's what seven-year-olds do, right? They tell you things. Right. Well, they tell you the truth, probably, for them. <laughs> Exactly. Not that it's the truth with a capital T, but that's their truth. Absolutely. So, yeah, I had just finished engineering school and I stayed home and made a homemade dinner. And I think the next weekend was Mother's Day. And so on my Mother's Day card, it said all the wonderful things he loved about me and then that he did not like my cooking at all. And so really learning, kind of being mad at him for a few days, figuring out that, you know, my mom is not a really good cook, nor was her mom. Mm. And I had learned from them. So really, honestly, probably being a perfectionist, I went to culinary school and being to culinary school and said, you know, I really don't want to have that on my next year Christmas card or next year's Mother's Day card. Right. 
Well, and you know, I would bet cooking is like gardening. You don't necessarily know coming out of the shoot when you start how to do it, but you can learn. Absolutely. I would probably tell you that when I was younger, I would kill just about anything I tried to grow, except for maybe a cactus. Uh I mean, now I have uh, gardens on my balcony, herbs all over the place, and I can grow just about anything. Nice. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that you can learn over time. You don't have to be discouraged by anything. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? You throw it away. In growing things in your yard, what's the worst that can happen? Well, your plant doesn't make it, or you grow something, and it's like, all right, well, I really didn't like that. You start over again. Exactly. So tell me about the journey from being an engineer to being a paid chef. That's a bit of a jump there. Right brain, left brain, right? Oh, yes. Engineering is a little creative, right? So engineering is creative. It's also process oriented. And to have a kitchen, you have to have processes in order to make sure that things can go out and are safe for our community. Right. But I always loved cooking. So my kids and I, we used cooking as like the team building thing that we did on weekends and stuff when I was not traveling. So my youngest son, actually, the one that wrote me the card, actually became a chef as well. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, he is absolutely he's a great chef. But we really spent that time learning how to eat different kinds of foods. We experimented a lot with flavors and different kinds of foods, foods that we wouldn't normally typically see here regionally. Uh-huh. We traveled a lot as well. You know, we lived in the UK, lived in Korea for a little while, and I've traveled all over the world. And so we're taking cooking classes and things like that at, at different places. We really just learned how to really love and fall in love with different people's cultures mm-hmm. through their food, right? Oh, yeah. Because you commune best around food, right? Oh, yeah. People get together and they learn about each other and they really become friends over a meal. And so that's what we did with the kids. And then, you know, the kids grew up and moved out. So then I started cooking for my team at work and been try different recipes and then one day I said I'm done with that and I decided I wanted to cook for people for a living right and left and started my own business and that's kind of how I got to where I'm at wow literally you went from working as an engineer to running your own business I ran factories, so I did some factory work, seven factories around the world. I had engineering teams in those factories as well as manufacturing and operations teams. Uh-huh. While that is not parallel to being an entrepreneur, there are a lot of things that um, I brought with me as those experiences in order to be able to run my own business. Uh-huh. So that's been a lot of fun. And let me tell you, I heard somebody say the other day that being an entrepreneur is like taking steroids for personal growth. And I have to say that's probably a very true statement. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've been self-employed for 42 years at this point, and I've had many businesses, some that lasted what I call a sneeze, and I've had two now that were well over 20 years. And it's always an adventure, that's for sure. And that's what I love about it. I wake up every day and I do something different. Yeah. So you're chefing now. The name of your chefing business? Witnessing Nature in Food. All organic food. Ooh, why all organic? Well, when I got that great job that took me all over the world, and it truly was a fantastic job and offered me a ton of experience as well as travel and culture, it also takes you away from your normal food and you end up eating out a lot. And I gained over 180 pounds. So I took off 140 of it, but I still carry around that extra 40 that I'm still working on. Uh But it's all basically been through making sure that I move every day and eating good food. Yeah. Not that I don't cheat once in a while, but yeah, just the core base of that is to basically make sure that you eat really well all the time. Yeah. And what does eating well look like? 
obviously organic is one piece of it, but what's the rest of that story? Right. But making sure that you eat more vegetables than you do garbage. Making sure that your plate is more than half full of vegetables and that they're cooked to al dente, not so that they're limp and nutritionless. And to make sure that you're eating good proteins and you're really paying attention. The biggest myth that I've ever heard is that all carbs are bad. Carbs aren't bad. Bad carbs are bad. <laughs> yeah. But good carbs, good carbs are good for you. Yeah. And if you eat good carbs, then your colon will really love you and takes care of a lot of the things you got going on inside your body. Right. I mean, ultimately, food, I believe, heals a lot of the ailments that we have today, not medication. Yeah. Well, and I often say that there are three things in our culture that cause 100% of our disease. And I know that's a bold statement. And they are as follows. Lack of nutrition in our food, environmental toxins, and stress. And I've asked multiple nutritionists and doctors about this, and they all have a tendency to agree with me. What are your thoughts on that? I totally agree with you. I explain a lot that, you know, really doing local food is really important because number one, it has the most nutrition in it because it's the closest to you because things start to lose nutrition the moment that they're picked. Yes. So that's why I love to go into farmer's markets and picking up because you know that the farmer picked it that morning. Right. Or maybe the night before, but really they picked it recently so that you can get the most nutrition in your food possible. Yeah. The other thing that happens is, is that when they pick something that's not ripe and then ship it, it's also lacking in nutrition, is it not? Exactly. And they do like to pick it before it's ripe because then it continues to ripen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't continue to gain nutrition. It continues to ripen so that transportation time that is stuck in a warehouse, that it ends up showing up on your doorstep fresher looking. Fresher looking. Yeah, exactly. All right. So now we've got organic and we've got freshly picked. Is there anything else that you add to that? I like to make sure that we have pastured eggs, pastured meat, organic meats, sustainable seafood to make sure that, you know, you're really paying attention to getting the least amount of toxins in any of the food that you're going to buy. I heard a rumor that you talked with our buddy George Brooks about some sustainable seafood recently. Absolutely. He is such an interesting man. I could talk to that man for hours. I know. Isn't he great? He's one of our local aquaponics rock stars. Right, right. He did a little bit of myth debunking for me about tilapia and wild versus farmed seafood Uh and gave my listeners a little bit of information on using the Monterey Bay Aquarium seafood selector tool where you're at your store so you can make sure that you're buying. You can look at what whole foods or sprouts has in the market and then you can look on the tool and see if it comes from a toxic place or not because there's so many things happening with our oceans and lakes and rivers and streams and farming areas yeah we have to be really conscious of it so can you tell us more about this tool is it an app it is. They have it on PC or Mac as well, but I have it on my iPhone and uh-huh. I love it. You just put in the fish that's there, like put in tilapia and it'll give you the good regions, the bad regions and give you a really good idea of whether or not you should buy that fish that's being displayed in the seafood market or not. Wow. What's it called? Do you remember? Yeah. It's just the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Selector app. Whoa. You follow me on Instagram. I posted it on my Try It Tuesday, I think, yesterday or Tuesday this week. Cool. What's your Instagram? Witnessing Nature. Oh, wow. Perfect. So that's a great tool. Do you have any other tools that you use like that? 
the tool from Environmental Working Group. Oh, it yes. It is the Dirty Dozen Clean 15, as well as they have an app that you can scan in any of the products that you buy at the store. It'll tell you whether from one to five is toxicity levels, uh-huh. give you a low, medium, or high score, so you can keep chemicals out of your life as well. So I just try to make sure that we live as clean and we yeah. cook as clean as possible so that if you eat good food and the food is your medicine, then you don't have to have the food combating all the extra chemicals you put in and on your body. Right. Exactly. So who do you cook for? I do catering events for weddings, uh-huh. large other events, as well as all the way down to teach cooking classes. And then once a month, we teach healthy eating on a budget over at La Mesita, the Homeless and Domestic Violence Center. Aww. So they can try different foods as well right. as I know that they're getting a good, clean, nutritious meal once a month. Yeah. How cool is that? Good for you. It's very cool. We have kids from six to adults that are in their senior ages that come and learn. And it's just so much fun. How long have you been doing that? I've been doing that for about 18 months now. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. And I want you to think back over the last 18 times that you've done that. And there was one person that stands out in your mind. I am sure there has to be. Absolutely. Yeah. How did they make you feel and what happened? Can I have more than one person? Some of the kids have so much fun that they get to help cook Uh and make different foods all the way to the adults that look at me and go, you know what? I would have never thought that we could eat that and it would taste really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime I do a cooking class, but for them specifically, Uh it is so much fun just seeing the kids and the adults work together in the kitchen. It's just really satisfying to see families come together making a meal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. And you love it. I can tell it in your voice. I do. This Monday is our March class. We're making bangers and mash, and we're going to make a avocado coconut whipped cream for our mint brownies. Oh, hold on, hold on. You're using avocado as a sweet? All right, using avocado as the green, uh-huh. and then we have coconut cream, so coconut whipped cream as the sweet part, and then we're adding some mint into it. Oh, Some wow. fresh mint we're chopping up and throwing in there. What's your favorite recipe? Well, that's like asking me my favorite movie. Is it drama or comedy? <laughs> Oh, very good. All right, cool. (laughs) I would have to say seafood is generally my favorite recipes because you can do so much with that. And then probably would be anything that you can do sweet and savory with. Like I make a goat cheese and fig sandwich with the roasted red pepper soup. Say what? Oh my God, that sounds incredible. It is yummy. Yeah. I've just got a huge grin over here because I'm having so much fun chatting with you. But that's got to be one of the fun things for you is making up stuff for people to eat. Is it not? That is a ton of fun. Absolutely. And you know what? Honestly, if it tastes bad, you can throw it away. So I start on a small scale, mix some flavors together Mm -hmm. and see if it can be fixed. If it isn't working, if it can't be fixed, we just toss it and start again. Yeah. Perfect. And then we always go, but do you remember what went in that? (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I have a note here from Janice. She says, will you please send us a recipe that we can include in our newsletter? Absolutely. What might that be? You tell me what you would like to have. We can do something for the holiday. We could do something. Easter's coming up. Oh, yes. We have Cinco de Mayo coming up. We have just general everyday grilling. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a Cinco de Mayo. Okay. I will send you a Cinco de Mayo. Maybe some Chipotle shrimp. Oh. How about Chipotle shrimp tacos? We'll do some sustainable seafood with some lovely sprouted corn tortillas and then mix it up with some good fresh cilantro and salsa. Oh, I think that'll be great. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm hungry now. (laughs) I'm going to go get some shrimp tacos.
Oh, awesome. Thank you. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. Wow. To pick the perfect one, I would probably have to go back to when I worked at corporate and I took that great job and I gained all that weight because I was in great health and I had had a injury with my rotator cuff. And so I stopped working out. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised the amount of things that your shoulder is involved in. I mean, even walking or washing your hair or whatever. When you do anything. Exactly. Right. So I stopped exercising and I traveled a lot and gained that weight. And I just started feeling really horrible. Mm -hmm. I didn't like how I slept. I didn't like how I was during the day. My energy was sapped and I was in my 30s. I mean, what did I learn from that? I learned from it, number one, that it's never too late to change. By going back to basics, Yes. it became really easy to take that weight off and really remember going back to your basic core of things and really remembering how you can have a ton of energy by eating well. Uh That's why I talk about, you know, eating well helps you with your peak performance. You don't have those afternoon snooze fests that you want to have cookies or candy with in order to wake back up and then you go back home and you want to fall asleep because your sugar high came down. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a constant effort. Mm Mm-hmm. Changing their diet, people seem to think that it's a diet and that they go in it by boiling the ocean versus eating the elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. When, for me, it has to be a lifestyle. It's the way I eat on a day-to-day basis rather than, you know, a diet. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yes, yes. If you want to change, then you have to change your habit. Mm-hmm. Clean yourself off the foods that are not serving you. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, I think the reason why it's a $30 billion diet industry is because a lot of people think that that one diet works for everybody, and everybody's bodies are so yeah. different. You really just have to pay attention to what food makes you feel how. Yeah, one of the things that helped me was a food diary so that I could see the aftermath of having eaten or whatever it was. And I got really conscious to how I felt four to 12 hours after I ate something, you know? That's a really good way of doing it. Yeah. Interestingly, one of the things that I found, because I have Lyme disease and it's a neurological thing. It's just Lyme is crazy. But one of the things that I found was that when I eat bread, the next morning I have anxiety. It's a one for one thing for me. I'll eat some organic bread or sourdough bread. The next morning I'll wake up with anxiety and it happens every single time. So those are the kind of patterns we're looking for. Are they not? Exactly. And a lot of people think that that's because of gluten, but it may not be because of gluten. It just is how you feel about bread. They did a study and published it a couple of years ago about 15 people that they gave the exact same foods to, and then they tested them. So they had to test their urine and their bowels and Uh their blood at the time they ate and two hours after and then 30 minutes before they ate after they ate and then two hours after and they found amongst those 15 people that ate those foods they really all behaved differently like some guy got sushi and his blood sugar was spiked girl had sushi and she did not have the spike of blood sugar however when she had beef she did get a spike so like i said you really have to pay attention to what works for you and don't believe that whatever's on the market is going to solve your problem you really have to pay attention to your insides and right. how you feel. Yeah. It's really an inside job that you have to pay attention to. So we have to take responsibility for for figuring it out for ourselves. Exactly. You know, the bummer for me about that, it took me until I was 56 years old to figure that out. (laughs) I think I was 45 or 46 or so. And I'm 52 now and still learning new things. So like I said, you're never too young to learn and you're never too young to change. Amen to that. So what do you consider your biggest success? Oh, my biggest success. 
Well, besides getting my kids grown and living on their own, which is is a feat, really honestly, figuring out for myself what I wanted to do. I mean, I did not come from an entrepreneur family. I came from a white and blue collar family and really figuring out for myself what I wanted to do and being brave enough to go and do it. I think that that's my biggest success. Yeah, I'm going to underline that. What you just said there is epic. Being brave enough to go out and do it. Tell me a little bit more about that, would you? I've always been extremely type A. Uh huh. However, you know, having a corporate job and that regular paycheck coming in, that is a chain that is very difficult to break. And it is not for the weak of heart. Oh, that is the case. Every day I have to give myself a pep talk and sometimes twice a day to say, yes, you're doing the right thing. Yes, you're on a mission to make sure that you solve eating for people one person at a time. And yes, you need to continue moving forward one step at a time versus that little negative Nelly I got in my back of my head that constantly says to me, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's a daily thing. Yeah, you have to have a conversation with that negative Nelly and say, shut up, I don't want to hear it. That's what I did about 10 years ago. Sometimes I have to say it out loud and I'll be like in the middle of something and I'll yell, shut up, and people look at me. I'm like, I'm not talking to you. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) You mentioned type A personality. I heard something recently. You're either type A or recovering type A, and I definitely fall into that category. How about you? I think that age helps calm your type A. I don't think you ever get over it, but I do think that age and experience helps you realize that it takes more than one person to get things done and more than one mind and more than one opinion. Mm -hmm. And so while being a driver is important, it's also remembering that not everybody's like you. Yeah, that is a huge learning right there. So what drives you? Every day getting up and knowing that I'm making a difference, making sure that I really teach people not to listen to the marketing messages on television or wherever, that really to listen to themselves and that we can solve this thing we've got called having food and being nutritionless. Yeah. I think that's a big shame. And honestly, I blame my generation for everybody wanting things at the speed of light. I mean, I, at one point when the kids were small, we had to go through three drive throughs sometimes in order to make sure everybody but he had what they had to get to their sport. Wow. And that just, that's not a healthy way to do things. Right. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? So I'm going to give you this one first. And I have time. I have time for a second one, but food pharmacy. So food pharmacy talks a lot about the food you eat and the impact that they have on your gut, which is really your second brain to help provide all the nutrition to the rest of your body, uh-huh. which makes you live a healthy, productive life. Uh-huh. And it's a very simple read and it's a lot of very down to earth, easy, explainable, non-scientific discussion about how food works in your system. Mm-hmm. Number one. And then number two, I would probably say a Napoleon Hill book called How to Outwit the Devil, oh. which really talks about how you silence that negative Nelly. That was a really good book. And do book. things for yourself. Yeah, that was a really good book. I read it decades ago. It's a great book. Yeah. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I think I'll just reiterate that it's never too late to change. If you feel that you need to do something on your own, whether it is eating better or exercising more or living the life that you want to live versus doing corporate, you can do whatever. And there's a ton of people out there that will help you. Yeah. You don't have to do anything alone. It's never too late. Yeah. That's a really big one. There's so many people out there that want to help us. People come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And sometimes that is just to help you get to the next step. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Chef Jen. Thank you. I am so happy to have been here and I'm looking forward to spending more time with you guys in the future. Yeah. So Chef Jen lives in the Phoenix area and we've started to interface a little bit. I too look forward to hanging out a bit. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? You can contact us through our website, witnessingnature.net. 
or follow us on any of our social media. Like us on social media, and we will love you back. You have Twitter and Instagram. We're working on our Pinterest page. I mean, we're working on that, learning social media much more than I ever thought I would ever learn, but it's a ton of fun, too. Yeah, cool. I've met a ton of great people through social media. Perfect. And it's witnessing nature or some aspect of witnessing nature is for our food, for all of our social media and Facebook. Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Chef Jen. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Claiming your inner urban farmer is easy. Grow food, share it, and name your farm. Then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast. Pick up your urban farmer bling, hats, and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com. My intent with the Urban Farm Podcast is to educate and inform. So when I find a particularly good opportunity, I want to share it with everyone. The 2018 Food Revolution Summit is one of them. As you listen, you will be informed, inspired, and motivated to improve your health. You'll get cutting-edge insights and information from 24 of the top food and health experts in the world. Hosted by my friend Ocean Robbins with interviews conducted by best-selling author John Robbins. This annual, week-long online event is free to attend. You will learn from experts you can trust about how to improve your health and reduce your risk of chronic disease. Sign up at urbanfarm.org forward slash summit to join the revolution. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.